Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the OYF podcast. Monica here. And today I am joined by an international friend that I made through another friend. (laughs) Thank goodness for the internet for connecting uh, folks from all over the world. Um, I'm here today with uh, William Samuel. Uh, He is the founder of Healing Hearts, also founder of Hidden Haciendas. He's an artist. He's an entrepreneur. He's a truth speaker. He's a healer. He has a lot, a lot to offer to us. And I'm just so excited um, to get his story out there. And um, I've honestly uh, learned a lot uh, from William and received a lot of inspiration, too, from his story. So I'm sure many of you listening are going to feel the same way. So hello, William. Thank you. I don't know if this video clip will make it, but the whole time you were speaking, I've been smiling sort of semi uncomfortably at hearing people say things about me. It's something I still struggle with. People saying nice things to me. Receive it. Receive it. Yes. Still working on that. It's easy to give. Harder to receive, but it's a work in progress. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for connecting way, way, way back when, whenever we did, I think early last year. So yeah, the universe working its magic as usual. Always. So I'm, I'm again, happy we can finally do this and excited for people to learn about you. So uh, my first question that I always ask uh, my my guess is what is it that you love about yourself and how has that quality helped you so far in your life? And maybe it's evolved. That could be a confronting question, depending on who you asked it. Um, what do I love about myself? I suppose it's strange to say, to answer that and not have it come across as, I guess, arrogant or self-centered or anything, but... Um, I guess I appreciate the part of myself that is able to focus my energy into giving back to other people what I never had when I was growing up or struggling in my life. So I guess that would probably be uh, one of the bigger things I appreciate or love about myself that 
I've been able to turn all of the pain and suffering and everything else into something that can be tangibly used to serve other people. And it gives it all a purpose too, which is even more of a bonus. So yeah, I would say that would probably be what I love about myself. What do you love about yourself? Ooh, turn of events. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I think it's an important quality to have to be able to turn our difficulties into wisdom and then offering that help to others. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, what do I love about myself? Um, I think I uh, the thing that sticks out, at least right now, is my willingness to just keep going. That no matter what mm. comes my way, I always find a way to learn from it. Similar to you, learn from it, grow from it, and then help others too. That's cool. We're on the same page then, which I believe is partially the reason why we were connected by the powers that be. Yes, yes, 100%. Shout out to Samantha Haydock, our mutual <laughs> friend that made this happen. So <laughs> it's so strange. I was talking, um, I was speaking to a friend yesterday and I told her I was coming on. She's like, oh, super exciting. And I was like, yeah, yeah, super exciting. And she asked how it happened. And I was like, oh, this girl I was traveling with, that was like 2017. So we hadn't spoken in over four years. And then boom, just out of the blue. Ah, I think you two are <laughs> messages really similar. I'm going to put you in contact. And here we are today. I know. So shout out to her. She's an amazing human connector and love sure. Sam. So, but, Thank you, Sam. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, William, tell us a little bit more of where you're based, where you're from, and perhaps some of the inspiration that led you to creating Healing Hearts. Okay. Uh, currently in Sydney, Australia, it is a mid-winter's morning it's freezing in my apartment i'm wearing a jumper a coat <laughs> and a furry hat or a woolly hat or a beanie hat to keep myself warm um we've just went back into lockdown in sydney um mm. so it's taken a bit of adjusting to get to that i generally haven't let the past year and a half's events affect me majorly but this time it's having a sort of impact on me in a way I didn't foresee. I feel myself getting sucked into it. Um, I am from originally Northern Ireland, so not to be confused with Ireland, two separate countries. I'm part of the UK, but I'm dual citizen, so I'm Irish, identify as Irish. Um, and what was the other part of that question that you asked about healing uh, hearts? Yeah, the inspiration that yeah. led you to creating it. Okay, yeah. So... <laughs> I guess to probably take it back to put it in context, I created Healing Hearts purely and simply so I could have a platform to share the message and story of my life that I've been sharing and putting out there with people. And I wanted to do it in a more public, impactful way where I could reach as many people as possible. So Instagram and Facebook for all of their shortcomings and negative traits it does have a positive effect in the fact that you know if your organization and my organization social media is mm -hmm. probably the most impactful way to get your message across nowadays even if you do spend a little bit too much time on your phone posting stuff so um <clears throat> i guess the reason for creating it in 2019 when i launched my first business as a dj 
um, an events creator or promoter. The term we use is promoter if you run events in, in venues. Um, I made the decision to adopt a life of sobriety. So I gave up all forms of drugs and alcohol that I had been abusing for pretty much most of my life. Um, I started smoking weed and drinking at 14, just after my parents split up. Really traumatizing, messy divorce. Um, never really got to process it. There was a lot of hatred and anger, trauma, a lot of unresolved stuff that I repressed and medicated myself with, primarily with beer and MDMA. Ketamine would have been the three things that I would often have resorted to, and that was pretty much constant from the age of 14 until the 6th of January 2019 when I made the decision to stop because I realized that if I was going to make a real change and make a success of this business venture, I needed to give up everything else that wasn't going to pull me towards that in the quickest, best way possible. So I made the decision to become sober. Um, I built that platform and built that business with the help of a very devoted team. And I used my position as a sober DJ, a sober entrepreneur in an industry that has been plagued and is yeah. rife with substance abuse and mental health issues and everything else that I suffered with all through my life. I used that platform to show other people that it's possible to do it differently. It's possible to change your life. It's possible to not have to live in the same way. Mm -hmm. So long and short that would be why that's that is the inspiration behind healing hearts to give all of that back and to show other people it's possible to do it differently mm -hmm. oh, i love it and it's just uh just even from when i've met you to now i i see so much more um confidence too as you were talking about it and it seems like you've really integrated what you've learned that much more and it uh, brings me a lot of joy because I think you have an incredible mission, an incredible story, and so relatable. And it's so true. That's uh, part of the reason why um, I'm also so passionate, right, it is to show that the music industry, that musicians, artists, you don't have to die young and you don't have to live this fast uh, rock and roll lifestyle to have a meaningful life and rather you probably won't make it that long if you do that, right? And to um, really help people understand themselves, trauma and everything, and love themselves anyway, um, and to be able to grow from that. So I just, I love what you're doing and what you stand for. Thank you. I remember you said that the first time we met or had a Zoom meeting, and this is way, way back, like I think just around Christmas last year, and it's, I remember you saying the same thing and my default reaction when someone compliments me, like, especially if I'm not familiar with them, I sort of like <clears throat> wince and squirm because I'm just not used to it. But I don't feel like that right now. I feel, I guess I can accept more what you're saying because as you say, I feel more confident talking about it right now. I feel, feel more aligned and purposeful in my purpose for being on this planet. So I guess, yeah, thank you. Or it's probably important to point out as well that from the time that we have met, I've also drawn inspiration from you and I feel I have a lot to learn from you. And at least in the first couple of calls that we had, I definitely 
I definitely did take away things from that. So I suppose it's important to point out you might be inspired by me, but I'm inspired by you as well. (laughs) Mutual inspiration. Yes. I'm grateful and happy that I could help. um, And just to see you grow is it's amazing. So I'm happy to be here and support. Um, So now tell us a little bit more as far as, you know, taking on sobriety. That's such a challenge. Um, What are some things you've done um, along the way to help you uh, stay on that track? And uh, yeah, that's helped you. Uh, I think it's real different for me. I guess what I mean by that is that when I put my mind to doing something or whenever I make a decision to do something, then once that is cemented in my psyche, that's it. There's nothing that will make me deviate from that path. So like I said before, when, when I first made the decision to do it, I knew immediately I'm never going to do this again because I had prioritized, I had prioritized building that business and putting that message out there over the addiction to it. And I don't even know if I would have said I was addicted. I guess it depends who you ask. I do have addictive tendencies, but I wouldn't have said I was an alcoholic. I wasn't drinking seven days a week. I wasn't taking drugs seven days a week. It was only Friday, Saturdays, Sundays, just partying in nightclubs. So I never identified as an alcoholic or a drug addict or anything like that, especially with the category of substances I was taking. Um, I've just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Early in the morning, haven't had coffee. Don't drink coffee. That's the excuse. <laughs> um, so yes, I got it. Um, challenges, probably the biggest thing. Um, and again, this is very, very different for how most people experience trying to make the change from living that life of pubs, clubs, parties. Um, I'm quite introverted and I enjoy my own time. It's not to say I don't like to be with friends and I don't like to socialize, but I'm quite happy being by myself and doing stuff by myself. I enjoy that. I get energy from it. But I guess one of the more challenging things is that when you make that shift, when you decide to change that massive aspect of your life, especially as being a man from Ireland, where it's culturally embedded into us that men drink or this is what you do. You go to pubs and you drink and that's how you live your life. So I guess the biggest challenge was accepting the fact that you're going to lose that those friends or that community that you may have had with the people that you're partying with or taking the drugs with so i guess that's probably the hardest thing and that's probably the hardest thing i see in other people when they come to me and talk to me about this stuff that's usually the biggest thing is losing that community and the reason most of us resort to drugs and alcohol anyway at least to that sort of abusive level is because there's generally some deep empty hole or void inside of us. So we try to fill that. And then when we're confronted with losing and having another empty hole or void with losing the friends, well, it kind of just reinforces the initial reason why you resort to the substances. So I guess um, that's probably been the hardest thing. But now two and a half years on, I just, I just know for a fact I'm never going to do it again. It's just not a part of my life or on my radar. It's served its purpose. I learned my lessons painful and long, and I'm here to disseminate and share those lessons with whoever needs them or wants to hear them. Yeah. 
so beautiful. I love it. What are some healthy coping mechanisms that you've adopted as a result of no longer resorting to drugs and alcohol? Um, <clears throat> currently, I meditate a lot. I'm, I've just qualified in Reiki level two, so I oh, self-treat myself. Nice. I don't do it every day. I'm also yeah, Reiki I know you're. Yes, I remember. Mm-hmm. So I guess you'll understand that while we're meant to treat ourselves every day, it doesn't always happen. So I find doing that, it forces you in this state of meditative awareness. And then outside of that, I, I stretch my body, I breathe a lot, um, I exercise. And I guess probably the most important thing is that I talk to people about it um, at the beginning. When I first made that choice, I was seeing a therapist pretty much nonstop for a full year, once a week. Um, so through that process, it just helped me break down a lot of the reasons why I was abusing the drugs and the alcohol. That wasn't why I was seeing her, but it helped to illuminate and give me the tools of mindful awareness that I needed to catch myself whenever the reasons that pushed me towards it normally came up. Um, so I think probably the biggest thing that I do to manage my mind or whenever that comes up, it's meditation. It's just being aware, understanding yourself and taking responsibility for it and just hey, step back. These cravings or addictions or behaviors don't define me and I don't have to give in to them. So biggest thing, being aware, mindfulness, huge for anything. Absolutely. And I think it's important uh, what you just said, and in a previous episode, this came up too, is sometimes when we are experiencing an issue, we have that tendency as human beings to over-identify. I can relate when I was uh, healing the anxiety that I was experiencing. I try to use my language because when I say my anxiety, it's like it's I'm attaching to it, right? And that, that yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. especially even when I was going through the depression too, um, <clears throat> it's really important to understand language because we don't want to, you know, over attach. So I, I love that you said that because even with I've seen it with folks that you know are perhaps trying to get sober and um, not overly attaching themselves to whatever the addiction was, and remembering that you are that human being first. First and foremost, it's a, I'll just expand on that because I, it's, I feel this is important to highlight as well, talking about attaching yourself to these sort of beliefs that you have about yourself. I, I still sort of, this idea of me being sober for two and a half years is something that I guess, to put it on the flip side, I feel sometimes I over-identify with that mm-hmm. as well. So just because you know, this is a positive thing that many would see as being positive. It's still sort of egoically imprinted into my ego now that I am William, I am two and a half years sober, you know, and it's not like I go out and tell people about it. And it's the first thing I say, oh, hey, I'm William, I'm sober two and a half years. It's not like that. But I guess that sort of reliance on that label can also be detrimental, I guess. So I'm still learning how to navigate that and what I'm comfortable with in regards to 
other behaviors or coping mechanisms that I may or may not be able to use as a result of that identification with being sober. So still things to process and work out on that front. I just thought it was important to highlight. You can still be attached to that, even if it's positive, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm glad you said that. Cause I've, well, even when I was going through my, that initial healing, when I was healing the panic attacks and what have you, I remember I was like, does this mean I can never, cause I, before that I would, I would drink more honestly. And then I, I got so much more aware because of the impact it would have on my anxiety on the, see, I just did it on the anxiety. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, does this mean I'm never going to be able to have a drink of wine again? And, um, and since then, I think I've been able to develop a more balanced, uh, vision with it. And, um, and I think it just, yeah, it all matters to where you're at and, uh, what feels comfortable to you. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's interesting you say, because in one of the, in the second episode of my podcast, um, I was talking with my flatmate at university about his anxiety. He had quite severe social anxiety so much so that it would inhibit him from being able to go to lectures or just generally leave like go to classes at uni because it was just so intense being in that situation you might have to see people or ask them questions or you might have to interact socially it was really confronting for him but i remember he said during that podcast that one of the biggest things that made his anxiety worse was the drinking anytime he drank or afterwards or taking drugs later down the track that's what would have impacted him the most. It would have sent it into his anxiety, into overdrive, which I think is important to highlight that many people use the alcohol to manage their anxiety, but then subsequently just make it worse because they wake up the next morning, their brain chemistry is all over the place. They feel like crap. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible to, uh, as we become more aware, understanding and realizing the things that we would do unconsciously too, I, you know, when we were younger and, but to be fair, we weren't really taught healthy ways to cope with our emotions. <laughs> so here we are trying to play catch up. Yeah. It's, it's sad in a way that you're not like, you grow up and you go to school, you learn how to multiply and do algebra and fractions. And then you don't really learn about the important stuff like this. You don't know how to be mindful. You don't know how to be aware of your emotions. You don't know how to express your emotions in a safe, non-egoic or attacking sort of way. But I guess that's what we're here for. I guess that's the purposes of our collective organizations is to to teach people what we were never taught about this crucial life stuff. A hundred percent. And, uh, and now I want to transition a little bit more to talking about, and you mentioned it before to that pressure that as a man, right. That you, you grow up feeling of, of either over drinking or overusing uh, drugs or, just these extremes and you know the documentary and I remember when we first met I brought it up to um, this documentary that really opened my my eyes it's called the mask you live in and it was on Netflix I don't know if it's still there 
But the whole point of the documentary was showing male socialization and how as a young as as little boys, so many men are taught to not show their emotion and to only express anger really as the only emotion that's okay to 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 express. And then a lot of these young men go to college and then a lot of them develop drinking problems there or drug issues. And then it just creates this mess. <laughs> so can we, I would love to talk a little bit on that, William, and um, what you've learned, what you've experienced and ways that you are trying to help this to improve. Yeah. Big problem for men. It's definitely shifting the paradigm and, how men perceive themselves it's definitely shifting it's there's a long 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 way to go um to get to the point where men are able to comfortably and safely express themselves and learn how to do that it's society's definitely changing for sure but it, there's a long long way to go um i guess growing up in ireland the first i guess the first thing that anyone associates with anyone from Ireland is that we're all alcoholics. We like to drink beer and we like to fight that old stereotype, which is somewhat true in a way. Um, but that's the culture. That's how the culture has always been. Um, so we kind of just are immersed and born into that. Um, I think probably from Ireland anyway, and I guess a lot like in Australia, the culture is very similar in the UK. I'm not so sure about the U S um, if it's similar in a sense, but when you do grow up, your identity or masculinity is attached to the idea of <clears throat> either how physically tough you are or how much you can drink or yeah. how much you can party. That kind of defines your worth as a man. So if you can't drink 20 pints of beer in a night, you're a pussy. If you can't beat someone in a fight, you're a pussy. If you can't party for three days straight, you're a pussy. That's the kind of rhetoric and labels that are thrown at you for not being able to conform to whatever it is the culture or society expects of you. Life until I was 27. I'm not a tough guy. I don't like to fight. I'm not a fighter, but growing up in Ireland, if you don't fight, if you're not a hard man, then people take advantage of you. So I find myself getting in fights with people, usually losing as well, but just trying to fulfill that role as big puffed up chest. I'm a man. I can, I can say things and I can stand up for myself, but that was never me. I was just trying to be what I thought I needed to be in the eyes of everyone else, you know? So I was never being true to myself by doing that. And life always made me suffer anytime I tried to do that. Anytime I was trying to play that part of big, tough Irish guy, I can get in fights and I can drink loads of beer and blah, blah, blah. That was never me. It's not me. And life always, always made me suffer for that anytime I tried to do it. Um, and I guess it, it took a very long time to be able to break out of that, to realize that, hey, I don't need to be that tough, tough guy. I don't need to be like that to be a man. Just because I feel sad or depressed or upset or maybe because I want to cry when I'm watching an emotional movie. And I always resisted that. I still sometimes do, but I allow the tears to flow now more. Good. But 
that idea that you can't express your emotions and you can't do any of this stuff or you're not a man. Well, I guess that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to show people, hey, man, you don't have to be like this. That idea of masculinity is no longer serving a purpose in this planet. It's not healthy. It's not who we are. And I guess I just want to show other people that, other men especially, it's okay to talk about the stuff that hurts you and it's okay to be hurt and it's okay if you cry and it's okay for anything. You don't have to be a tough, strong guy to be a man. So I guess I understand the impact it had on me being able to step away from all that and break that mold. And I just want to give that to other people because it's changed my life. I don't have to be that dude that tries to be a tough man for everyone else. I can just be myself, man, you know, so... Hopefully that's answered, I think. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing all that. And uh, I, I, going back to the documentary I mentioned earlier, that was the first time I had seen anything concentrating on this. And I'm so grateful. I cried because I I saw my I, – I, I thought of my dad. I thought of my brother, my brother-in-law. You know, these figures that I can tell how much they've suffered because they haven't been able to fully express themselves. Uh, And I think the documentary did a really wonderful job, too, because it highlighted all types of men from like gay men to uh, uh, men of color. It was really wonderful because of that, how the common denominator in one way or another was the same, despite the different demographics amongst the men showcased. And uh, and it's interesting too, to just see how that has even rippled into people that identify even as women too. Like we've, we all, we also have um, had that internalized uh, toxic masculinity within us too, uh, and having to overcome and and to understand that it's okay to show your emotions. In fact, it's it needs to. It's an, enough. Like you said before, it doesn't serve the planet anymore to hide how we really feel. No, and especially after after the impact of the lockdown last year, when it, when that all came in, I'm very much of the belief and outlook that that happened for a reason to give everyone on this planet the time and space they needed to reflect on how we individually and collectively live our lives so we can change and break down all of those things that are no longer serving us on a collective and individual level. Um, and I guess just I'll just to highlight that I run a, an online um, men's support space. So we had the first one last Wednesday and this just goes back to what we were talking about, about the pressures of being a man. I asked three questions at the beginning just to get the perspective from the guys that were in this group. It was a small group, but it was a really open, good space. To be, we had to have steady emotions. We had to be responsible. We had to be strong and secure, and that had to be constant. And that's not possible, you know? It's not possible to be like that. And I think in this day and age of this hyper-radical feminism, you know, and it's all about women, 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 and how women have been oppressed by men. You, you've seen this, I put a story up a few weeks ago talking about that, and it's, it's not to say that women don't have a right to be requesting and fighting for what they're fighting for, but societally, 
we need to support one another to be able to make these changes because men have never been shown or taught or given the support they need to be able to let go of that stuff because it's not possible for us to bear that burden of responsibility that society, not women, but society puts on us. And that has a massive impact, you know? Society tells us we have to be the breadwinners and we have to be this and that and we have to be the one that carry the family and whether or not people listen to this ascribe to that or maybe their process in breaking that down but for many many men that pressure is still on our shoulders and it becomes almost unbearable to 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 take it on so i might have tangented tangented tangent i might have went off on a tangent there <laughs> but um, i just felt it was important to share because i think people often overlook the impact that society and our culture has on men and we get demonized in a way because of everything else that goes on in society but we suffer too and i guess it's important to understand that to make the changes for everyone on this planet we need to support one another to do it men need to help women women need to help men it has to be it has to be from both you know no 100 percent. i think what it takes is just uh open heart and compassion to kind of enter the conversations because I do rightfully so think, you know, all the sides um, I, I are deserving of the anger felt. And um, I think it's part of the healing. I think that I've always thought that every side of activism, because it's a spectrum, you got the ones you, you have, like, I always think of like uh, PETA, you know, they have the image of the images that sometimes are very difficult to see, you know, of the animals and stuff. But I think that type of imagery is helpful for folks that are maybe are completely oblivious to that, that that's actually happening on the planet. Um, so I guess my, my point is, I think all of the anger is justified. But I think what what I understand now to be important is to uh let's bring in compassion now and understanding so we can all understand each other and work together. And like you're saying, I'm, I agree. We all have to work together. Yeah. And I'm just reflecting there because when I speak about this, sometimes, you know, I can feel the emotion, like the passion from it. So I just want to highlight, like for anyone listening, like I'm not like, I fully support equality across, across all fronts, man, woman, non-binary, whatever you identify as, like I'm fully in support of that. I guess my main point was that men are often overlooked and we sometimes take the brunt of blame and stuff, but really it's not men, it's the society that needs to change and society may be governed primarily by patriarchy and men, but to blame men as individuals it doesn't get us to where we need to be as a collective. So I guess that was the less intense version of what I just was explaining. No, I understand. It's a paradigm shift. And that's it, exactly what, yes. what is happening and steadily by more voices like yours, um, helping more men uh, feel comfortable to share and, and see that they can actually pick a different path for themselves. Yeah, and it's hard because that that paradigm is so deeply embedded in us and in society and in the culture that, you know, as much as you wanted to change it overnight, it's 
just not possible. And I think a lot of men just find it really difficult not identify as that over-masculine, you know, hyper male, alpha male or whatever. So we just do what we can to keep educating, keep raising awareness, keep shining the light, keep showing people that it's okay to just be yourself. It's okay to be vulnerable, which I think is the thing that men struggle with most. We associate vulnerability with weakness and tears with weakness. But as you and I both know, being vulnerable is not weak. Being vulnerable is courageous. Mm -hmm. You have to be strong to be vulnerable. 100%. So... Yeah. And I think, again, kind of going back to uh, your history, like of, of being a DJ, being so immersed in that party, party, party environment, and then transitioning out of it. It's such, I just, again, I can't help but just tell you how important it is, what, what you symbolize and what you represent and how you can create, you are creating a lot of change and ripples um, by doing what you're doing. Um, here in Las Vegas, as you can imagine, the nightclub scene is, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, City. Pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and there's a lot of that here. And, uh, and so I, I'm again, just so happy to see other parts of the world, uh, waking up to this and just doing their bit. So thank you for doing it on your side of the world. <laughs> I remember the first time we spoke and you were telling me a bit about, you know, how you got started, the, like the organization and what you were doing. And I really appreciate and respect the fact that whenever you saw, when you, when you were doing your events, I remember clearly it was, I might misquote this word for word, but you deliberately wanted to hold your events in bars and pubs because they were the people that you wanted to hit and reach they were the people that you wanted to hear what you had to say and i really appreciate that because doing those kind of events in that kind of environment where it's not like you know the people that want to come but the people that need to hear it i always really appreciated that putting yeah, yourself yeah. in that situation to shine that light so thank you i appreciate that mm. yeah i think i shared with you some people thought i was weird for, mm. <laughs> for wanting to <laughs> do it there um, but then I would, you know, for folks that were curious and like, Monica, like, why don't you just do this like at a yoga studio or something? And I'm like, well, those are the people that are already into this stuff. And imagine, you know, let's say we have a person, a regular that goes to the bar and we just so happen to be, do be doing our event there. And maybe for the first time ever, they heard the word meditation and mm -hmm. then they get curious and then they're like, oh, what? Like, what is that? And you just never know. Right. The the little nuggets that can be thrown out there by ex by exposing. And it really is just meeting people where they're at. I think a lot of time, I remember when I first started like practicing yoga and getting into meditation, there, there was like this certain, I felt a little intimidated because I was like, well, I'm this new person. And so, you know, I think this helps by cutting out that and just get meeting people where they're at. And then if they like it, cool. If they don't, it's okay too. That's been one of the challenging things for me because, you know, obviously when you're on this path and you've experienced everything you've experienced and your eyes have sort of been open to the way life actually is and all the things that caused your own. And I know I struggled with that with the people that were closer to me in my life that I could see making the same mistakes that I was making and I could see them suffering in the exact same way. 
but not being able to sort of pull them out of that. It took me a long time to realize that I can't fix everyone. Everyone needs to make, and it might even have been you that said this to me, everyone needs to learn their own lessons. And if I took them, you know, as much as you care and love people and you want to help them and support them, if you take them away, if you take them out of that, you take that lesson away from them. And for me, learning the lessons through all of the suffering, that's what's changed me. That's what's enabled me to do what I'm doing right now. It's by learning from that pain. So I guess if there's other people out there trying to support friends, family, loved ones, you can't force people to change. You just have to be there to support them and they have to make their own mistakes. And if you try to force it, well, it, they might push back. So yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, trust me, I've, I have definitely walked that path in my past of like, um, having experienced addiction in my family, wanting to change my family members and even my ex-boyfriend, same thing, wanting to change him from his habits, but ultimately realizing what, what, what you just said, that really we're all where we need to be. And it really is up to you what you want. We all have that free will and we have that choice, right? And it really comes down to what is fulfilling you. And if if you by you helping somebody, is it you uh, overreaching or overextending? And if that overextension is hurting you, then that's a really good indication to pull back. And I've been there. I I have totally been there. Um, and uh, to reach where I'm at now too, it's it shows my mm. growth to even be able to talk this way. <laughs> <laughs> It's important, man, because when you're on, you know, whenever you're, we often overlook our own traje trajectory of growth and development. You know, when you're so far into it, you, you don't realize because it's often really subtle and gradual, like compared to at the beginning where you have all these massive shifts and you're like, whoa, I didn't know any of this. And now it's just really, really. So I always, I always find it really nice to have those little reminders. Like I published um, an episode of our podcast last week and that I made two errors during the recording and I published the end clip talking about the errors and I used to be highly perfectionistic so much so that like I if I didn't get everything 100% right then it was a failure you know really really hypercritical negative self belittling negative self talk if I didn't get it 100% and I was just reflecting on that clip that for me to be able to sit here in this position and post this video even though it's not 100% huge for me. It was just a really, a really nice, gentle reminder that I've came a long way compared to how I was. And you often forget that. Yes, it's so important to celebrate your wins. And I want to give a shout out. We have an incredible lady here in Las Vegas. Her name's Kelly Bennett. Uh, she's this marketing digital guru. Um, she's been a dear a friend and mentor. And she was the first person that helped me uh, to know, re to realize how important it is to celebrate yourself, even if it's a little win of like getting out of bed and making yourself a meal, just the little things that really do add up. That's, it's interesting that we're talking about this because the conversation I had with this friend yesterday, um, and this is a very, very novel new friendship, but I guess there's just, we're on the same page and just kind of get one another. Um, but I was telling her how I have sort of, I fell off the horse this week and I haven't been doing 
what I would normally do to look after myself or be productive and stuff. And then after the call, um, I got my laptop out and I did like two of the things that we talked about during that conversation. And I guess, yes, I'm still not doing 100% of the things that I feel I need to do to have a productive or successful day or to feel that I've had a good day or I'm productive. I did two of the things and say, like, okay, I might be feeling a little bit dark in my mind right now, but I've done these two things that I haven't been doing for a long time. I can take that and it doesn't mean I'm a failure, which is what I would have often associated with myself if you don't take all the boxes on the to-do list of the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's important to have that balance, like even with the healthy things that help us, right? Um, because that can become really overwhelming. And I've that's happened to me too, where maybe, I don't know, maybe I didn't meditate right when I woke up. And then I'm like, damn, I didn't do that. But I'll, like, I can do it before I go to bed, you know? Um, sometimes you can't do it all like you want, and that's okay. It served as a really important lesson for me. I have a, I, I'm just careful how I'm gonna word this. I have quite a rigid morning routine and rigid may be the wrong word, but for me in the morning, how I start my day generally will set the tongue for how it goes on. And if I can't do it, then if I can't do that routine in the exact way I normally do it, then that will even now still after having worked through and gotten to where I am, if I still can't do it in the exact way I've been doing it, it'll throw me off. And I, some this week I haven't done any of the things I would normally do because I usually wake up and stretch and then I'll meditate and I'll have celery juice, et cetera, et cetera. But I haven't been able to stretch or move my body. I've got an injury in my ribs, so I can't really do anything. So having that one little part of the chain taken away, sort of thrown me, thrown me off the track. But as you say, it doesn't have to ruin your day just because you can't do the thing that your mind tells you you need to do in order to feel good. It doesn't mean you can't do other things. So this has just served as a reminder for me that, hey, this rigid way of thinking that you have, maybe there's another way you can do it. Maybe this is happening right now. So it's giving you the opportunity to do what you normally do in a different way or to learn to do something different. But obviously that's challenging. Our minds like rigidity and they like routine. So I think I feel a lot of people struggle with that whenever the routine gets sort of interrupted. It just kind of throws everything else out of alignment. Um, so yeah, I that when I when that happens, that's when I like to take like the lessons that yoga and uh, meditation teaches, right? It's about adopting that flexibility to real world interactions. And it may not be like your body in the posture, but it is you in real life um, adopting that practice and and like I said, to to real life occurrences. So carrying that flexibility into the day to day mundane. <laughs> flexible body, flexible mind. Yes, exactly. Yes. Ah, oh, man. Well, this has been so great, William. I want it before we hop off. Um, can you expand a little bit on your organization, all the things that you do, and anything in the in the future that you're looking forward to? Any projects? Um, <clears throat> yes. So 
Just currently in the immediate future. Um, so on an individual level, I have a psychology background. Um, I, like I said, I've just qualified in Reiki and I'm starting to practice and facilitate and get that going off the ground, studying NLP as well. So eventually at some point on an individual basis, I'll be um, offering coaching services to people. I have, I have a lot of life experience and educational knowledge and I know my purpose on this planet is to heal people and to help them live a better life. I know that. So I guess in the coming, however long it takes life to let that happen for me, that's what I'll be doing on an individual level. Organization right now, really just trying to raise awareness and put the content out there, the graphics, the videos, the podcasts. I just want people to be able to learn from me in whatever way they can through everything that I'm sharing so that I guess we can make that paradigm shift and support people on their paths of healing and recovery that all too many people struggle through alone. Um, and like I said earlier, I run a fortnightly online space. It's a community support group effectively for men. Um, I do it fortnightly on a Wednesday. We've got our next one next Wednesday, Sydney time, 6 a.m., 28th of July. Um, and that's pretty much it. Once COVID settles down and lockdown lifts, hopefully I'll be doing some face-to-face -face event stuff again, get back into doing that. But that's pretty much it. Healing Hearts is just about exactly what the name is. It's just about healing your heart and helping others to do that. So that's that's the forecast. I just go with the flow with life. Yeah. Don't try to plan too much. Just let it unfold and then take action from there. And with the, because this will come out august 11th so will oh, that yes. will that support group um be ongoing for now uh yes i think yeah what, it will be yeah because the next one is the 28th two weeks after that will yeah. be approximately the 11th so yeah all being well it'll be ongoing we had a it'll be yeah well the 11th is exactly two weeks of the date of the next one so yeah hopefully it'll be every two weeks we had a good response good feedback um so yeah, just keep going and see what happens with it. People, people seem to respond to it and I, I feel people need it, men and women. I'm probably going to do a, a space for women as well at some point. But right now, I feel I'm just more able to assist with men given my background. So. Mm -hmm. For sure. And are you, just in case for folks listening, is it, kind of, is it welcoming anybody that identifies as a man? pretty much yep. yeah awesome yeah i did think about that whenever i first launched it um so yes there's no restriction whatever way you identify gender genderly um door is open perfect door is open love that and uh wonderful so how can people find you william well they can find me um usually in the park around the corner from my house <laughs> or the beach on a saturday morning but if you're not in sydney um you can find me personally on Instagram, William Samuel underscore AU, or Healing Hearts Instagram, which is Healing Hearts underscore AU. Keep it consistent. Um, we have a YouTube page. I'm not really active too much on that, but I'm going to start making more video content. Um, that's pretty much pretty much it. We'll have a website up and running again whenever life permits and feels it's time to have that happen. Mm -hmm. So. I'll send you the stuff if you want to tag it or post it anywhere. I'll give you the links if anyone yes, wants to keep in touch. Course. 
-hmm. and yeah anyone listening feel free to contact me personally or on the page i put a lot of interactive stories up generally on my personal page i guess trying to get conversation going about things we struggle with so feel free to get involved feel free to ask any questions my door is open always here thank you so much william and i just had a curiosity how is the lockdown in australia is it uh is it pretty strict or how is it uh i guess in comparison to how most other countries have experienced it it's probably not but Mm -hmm. for us i guess it's the it's the sporadic and inconsistent nature of it Mm -hmm. that keeps happening that's making it so difficult for people yeah especially in particular industries you know hospitality Mm -hmm. the nightlife industry anywhere sort of public facing like that it's destroying a lot of lives and a lot of businesses you know so yeah people are suffering and like i said at the beginning i haven't let that affect me on a personal level since lockdown or covid or whatever happened but it's starting to affect me a little bit now so even though i sit here and i try to give love and support to other people i guess i'm at the point now where i feel i sort of need need a bit of love and support from others which is okay a hundred percent i think uh a lot of the a lot of us in this type of field can sometimes forget right that we're still human we still got to take care of mm-hmm. ourselves so just you know make sure you're giving yourself all that love and attention and care that you need william so you can continue to do the amazing things that you are planning and doing yes work in progress my heart is open as best it can be as a as a man a healing man so i'm i'm doing my best yes yes you are so and that can change depending on how you're feeling. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you showing up in the way that you do. And again, for folks listening, uh, the links will be attached to the, in the description to find William on Instagram and his uh, the Healing Hearts page too. Uh, well, thank you again. This has been a, a delight. I appreciate the conversation always. And again, thank you for doing this work on your side of the world. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for everyone listening and thank you for doing your work too. <laughs> Appreciate it by not only me. Aw, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, William. And again, thank you to the folks out there listening. Always appreciate the support. And if you have a minute, leave us a review so we can keep growing. <laughs> until next time. Yes, leave, leave me one too <laughs> while you're there. <laughs> Awesome. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Yeah.